week in our series on hashtag selfie, um, who am I in Christ? And we've been going through uh, the book of Ephesians and, and Paul writing to the church in Ephesus basically is an encouraging letter, just sharing with them what, who we are now that we are in Christ. And how many know that, that when Christ changes our hearts, there, there's a change in our lives, it's a change in the way we uh, live our lives. And the, the problem is, how many know that we live in a culture that is very opposed to, to who we are or how we live our lives in Christ. And that's, what, that's where it becomes very difficult when we, when we live in a, a culture that is very um, image-driven. Um, now with, with social media, that's gone to a whole uh, new level. And it's easy to fall um, into that trap of allowing people to see what we want them to see uh, in us. And so we end up struggling with people pleasing and looking for compliments to validate our insecurities. And we can hide behind whether it's success or achievements, but but we know that, that those are just endless pursuits that really don't fulfill our identity. And, and I can see this, um, you know, being Father's Day, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, but I can see this um, I, I've, you, you go into different seasons with your kids. How many know what I'm talking about? I, you know, you, you, you're in that, some of you are in the diaper phase with your kids, right? And uh, it's funny watching parents with, with real young kids and they're just, you, all you do is just chase after them. That's, that's all you're doing. You can't even um, relax because you're just chasing after them all the time. And, and my children are all teenagers now, and you just forget those phases of changing diapers. But one of the things I've noticed in the season of uh, having three teenagers is that um, I can see um, the struggle they have uh, to, to, to fit in um, those image uh, issues, the struggle with the way you look or, or how well you do in school or how well you achieve in sports, and, and, and it's a struggle for, for teens to fit in many ways, but that, it's just not a teen issue. How many know that's also an adult issue? And, and so the Apostle Paul, in this letter to the Ephesians, writes to them to express who they are now in Christ. And when I'm in Christ, what we've discovered over the past several weeks is that everything changes when Christ changes my heart. Um, we're going to jump into the last chapter of Ephesians, but, but let me just, I, I want to read this one verse in Ephesians chapter 5, just verses 1 and 2, because I, I believe this just kind of epitomizes uh, the whole book of Ephesians, where Paul says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. I believe that this verse sums up the whole book so well, because in Christ we are now his children, that we are loved and Jesus gave his life for us. And this was this ultimate act of love by God giving Jesus to us. In Christ, um, we don't have to earn his love. It's not based on what I do or don't do. It's not based on my uh, merit. It's not based on whether my good adds up more than my bad. Christ reached out to us first through his unconditional love. And Paul tells us to now walk in that love, walk and live like a child of God. Don't live like you did before. Um, it, it got you nowhere. Don't, don't stay away from the things that, that hurt you. Um, it's, it's like a, a person who, who consistently got put down when, when they were young and maybe they were told that they were no good and they, they wouldn't achieve anything. And that 
person never feels like they can amount to anything because they were told their whole life that they could never amount to anything. But God says in Christ now, you are his children. You are dearly loved. Now live like that child of God, accepted not based on your merit, based on God's grace, not based on your achievement, not not based on how well you did, not based on your performance, not based on whether or not how many times your mom or dad told you that they loved you. God says, I loved you first. Even when you didn't love me or respond to me, I loved you first. I gave my life for you. I died on the cross for you. I scream out to you. God screams out to us through his creation saying, I did this. I want to reach you. I'm a God that wants to restore you. This is how much I care for you. Now live like that child that is well loved. Listen, listen, how many know when you have a healthy relationship, when you have a healthy relationship with your children, you become very approachable. How many know what I'm talking about? When when you have a good relationship with your children or a good relationship with your wife, you're approachable, right? I mean, I have a good relationship with my 13-year-old daughter. She just, we're standing in uh, uh, Chipotle's the other day and just waiting in line, and she just puts her head on my shoulder just for no reason. Not to say, Lily, don't do that. I love it as a dad, right? You're like, my daughter put her head as we're waiting in line, just puts her head on her shoulder, puts her arm around me and just says, dad, I love you. I'm like, okay, whatever you want on the menu, you can have. Whatever you want. You can get anything you want, honey. Right? There, there's, that, there's that approachable thing. God says, listen, I'm approachable. I love you. You can come live, live like that child. I, 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 love, I love the movies especially the, 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 maybe the true-to-life movies, where the person is told that they can't do something. And then they end up doing it. Don't you love those movies? And, and, and you know, through the whole movie, they're struggling. And, and I, that's why I love the, the movie Rudy, right? That's just a great movie. He's told that he could never play for, for Notre Dame football. And he does all he can to try to get on the team. His grades aren't good enough. And finally gets to the school. And I won't ruin the end of the movie for you, but he, he gets to play. But anyways, um, it's just a great, you know, and they're saying, Rudy, Rudy, you know, it's just a great, great movie. And probably my favorite true-to-life movie is the true story of Rocky Balboa. You know, the, uh, okay, I'm just, I'm trying to see if any of you caught that one. Told he could never fight or beat the champ, and he does. Okay, you know I had to throw a Rocky illustration there somewhere. But Paul is telling us, listen, live like that child. You may have heard this. You may have been told this. You may have been told that you couldn't add up. You may feel like uh, your life doesn't matter. You may feel like this, this, and the other. You may feel like a failure. Maybe you even feel like a failure as, as a parent or, or a spouse or whatever it is. But he's saying, listen, when you are in Christ, begin to live like that child. God changes everything. So what Paul tells us is, he says, you are loved. Now walk in that love. Be proactive. And so what Paul does At the end of his letter, he ends on a very powerful note. He tells his listeners, if you are going to be uh, just successful in in fighting this good fight and walking in this love, you have to find your strength in God. How many of us know that life is a battle? And so what Paul does is he tells us, this is how you are to fight this 
battle correctly. Now, I'm going to speak to the, to the men today primarily, but this is a good message for all of us. But, but what I want to do is I want to speak to the men on how to fight correctly, how, how to fight in life the right way, because Paul gives us some incredible words here at the end of Ephesians, at the end of his uh, letter here to the church in Ephesus on how to fight the right way. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Incredible words here on how to fight correctly and how to fight this spiritual walk correctly and to walk in this love and to walk as a child of God. And Paul says this, finally, he gives his final thoughts in this letter, and this is what he says. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, I think that's a good verse for all of us to read together. Amen. All right, so let's read just that verse together. You ready? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Great, great verse there. And so what does he tell us to do? He tells us to do something. He tells us to be proactive. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. Wow. We're, we're, We're fighting a spiritual battle, Paul says here. He says, so if we're going to do this correctly, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. So he's going to give this illusion or this symbolic imagery of a, of a soldier of God. And he says that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil, having done all to stand firm, standing there, stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which, which you can just totally extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so what Paul is saying here is, Paul is saying that we're in a war, and we can't fight this war in our own strength. And so this is my challenge for you men this morning. Fight like a soldier who is in a battle. Be ready. Be prepared all the time. Be on red alert all the time because this is a spiritual battle that we are fighting. We have to fight for our marriages. We have to fight for our children. We have to fight for our integrity. We have to fight for our personal lives. And Paul says, this is the way that you do it. This is, let let me just, let me, let me give you a platform here as we, as we jump into these verses. I love the story of Gideon in the Old Testament. Here's why I love that story of Gideon. Um, Gideon is, is this 
man who feels like he's the least of his tribe and his tribe is the least of all of Israel. And at this point of Israel's history, um, they have fallen away from God. They're in the promised land, which God gives them. And, and they are weak and their enemies are just harassing them and they're taking it. And what God would do is he would raise up certain individuals to rise up and defeat the enemy. And all of a sudden, God calls Gideon, who's hiding in this threshing floor. He's, he's hiding from the enemies. He's very weak, very apathetic. And so Gideon's just hiding out. He's afraid. And all of a sudden, this angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and Judges chapter 6, verse 12 records it for us. And this is what the angel of the Lord says to him. Quote, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, Gideon's hiding out. Um, and this is exactly what Gideon says to the angel of the Lord. You talking to me? Are you talking to me? Wait a minute. You've got somebody else here because I am not a mighty hero. I am not a mighty warrior. I am the least. And if you read, read that chapter, you will see that his argument with this, with, with this uh, appearance of this angel is like, I'm not that at all. I'm, in fact, I'm just the opposite. Now, I want you to notice something here. God didn't see Gideon where he was at the moment. Afraid and scared, he saw Gideon for what he could be in him. Now, let me read you some other translations here of what this angel called Gideon. A mighty hero, a mighty warrior, a mighty man of valor, a mighty man of fearless courage. Now, how could God call Gideon a mighty man of valor when he was a fraidy cat? Right? God himself because God himself knew that he would be his strength and it would not be through the strength of Gideon, but through God, the re men, listen to me. The reason why we fail is because we rely on our own strength because for many of us, we want to be in control. We want to be in control of our situations and it's a control problem. And so when we try to fight these spiritual battles within our own strength, and in our own power, we fail. And so what God sees in Gideon, he doesn't see where he is now weak and ineffective. He calls him a mighty warrior, a mighty hero, because God says, I can use any man. Listen, I can use any man who avails himself to me, who gives himself to me, who completely gives himself over to me. I will use that man. So how could God call Gideon, a mighty man of valor, when he was so afraid. Because God knew it would only be through his strength. And, and Gideon would have to rely completely on God if he was going to defeat the Midianites. And he did. And God received the victory. So, so how, we, here's, here's if we're going to fight, and this is what Paul says, if we're going to be this mighty hero of God, this, this mighty warrior of God, if we're going to fight correctly, we have to know what we're fighting. We have to know what we're fighting against. And Paul tells us, Paul gives us a couple things here. He says, ultimately, this is what you're fighting against. And you need to take off the scales off our eyes to realize that ultimately our fight is, is, is a spiritual fight that, that, that the enemy and his cohorts use 
to battle against us. It's a spiritual war that, that we are fighting and we need to understand who we're fighting that behind this, this is a spiritual battle. That the enemy is there wanting us to trip up, wanting us to fall. And so Paul says we have to fight the right way. It's a spiritual fight that we're fighting. We need to know who the enemy we're fighting. It's interesting that I read this about World War II, that 1940, Nazi Germany commissioned the battleship Bismarck. And this battleship was a monster. It was 825 feet long. It had eight guns that held ammo 15 inches across. It was the biggest, baddest battleship in the whole world. The HMS Hood, which was the pride of the Royal Navy, was blown away in one shot. Now, the one flaw of the Bismarck was its rudder. It was very vulnerable. It was located right beneath its thermal exhaust ports, which were right under the hydraulic mud flaps. I have no idea what a thermal exhaust port is, but it was very vulnerable in that position. And so in 1941, the Royal Navy hit the rudder with a torpedo, which disabled the huge ship and it was defeated. This small rudder that propels the ship became disabled, so it became a sitting duck. Now, we have to know how our enemy works if we're going to come against his plans correctly. We have to know that Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. He is prideful and comes against anything that's of God. He uses worldly systems to come against God and worldly knowledge to come against the knowledge of God. Satan wants nothing more than to sidetrack us from God and wants us to walk in fear, just like Gideon was walking in fear. And he wants us to be weak and ineffective in our walks with God. He, listen, guys, he wants us to be just half-hearted, just kind of carnal Christians, just kind of just walking, just not real hot, not real cold, just, just ineffective. And Satan says when we're ineffective, he knows that we cannot be used. And so what Paul tells us and tells his readers, he says, listen, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Now, how do we do that? How do we overcome the feelings of insecurity and the feelings of failure? All the tools that Satan uses to keep us weak and ineffective. Well, Paul tells us we need to be ready to fight. And Paul gives us an image here of a soldier who's ready to do battle, who's ready for battle. So basically what God is saying here is, listen, I want you to be a mighty man of valor. I want you to be a mighty warrior. I want you to be a, a, a mighty man of fearless courage. So how do we fight this spiritual battle correctly? Well, well first, Paul is, is, is saying that, that it's not against flesh and blood. It's not necessarily what you may see. It's just like uh, uh, Dorothy and the, the scarecrow and the tin man uh, and the lion. They didn't know that it was the man over there behind the curtain, you know, until Toto pulled the curtain away. They were just looking at this big green head in front of them, right? That's what they were fearful of. But the minute Toto uh, pulled the curtain away, they saw that what? It was a man. The, the, the jig was up. It wasn't this big head, green, huge head 
that, that they were fearful of. It was this man that was behind everything that was going on. Here's where we need to be sensitive in our spiritual lives. Many times what we try to do is we try to look with physical eyes. And we try to say, well, well this thing can only be fixed this way. And God's saying, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. This thing can only be fixed spiritually. As hard as you may try, this thing can only be fixed spiritually. And, and so we need to be careful. I, I, I appreciate what C.S. Lewis says about this topic. because says there are two equal opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. One extreme is to blame the devil for everything like Flip Wilson used to do. Remember that? How many are old and remember Flip Wilson? He would say what? The devil made me do it, right? So, so there's one extreme, but we have to realize the reality is that, that Satan is real and that he is our adversary. And so our fight comes against these lies and these worldviews that are contrary to Christ. And so we have to come against what's behind these lies and expose the lies for what they are. And we have to remind ourselves that Christ is all powerful and that Satan is defeated through his power. Yet Satan still works against us and we have to resist that. So through Christ, we, we now know his schemes and we now have the power to resist his schemes. So what Paul does for us, he gives us seven tools on how to fight this battle correctly. Now, men, the reason why I speak to you is, is the word of God says that the men are the covering. The men are the covering in the, in the body of Christ. The, the men are the covering for their families and for their wives. And so we have to take this seriously. We, listen, we cannot reserve the spiritual fight and give that to our wives to say, well, you do it, honey. You know, you, you, you be, be the spiritual leader for our kids. You're the one that, that goes to church. See, the reason why the church becomes ineffective is because men have, have stopped fighting. And so we, men, we've got to take this responsibility and believe, listen, I've, I've, I've got to take this step. I've got to be the spiritual leader in my family. I've got to lead my family. I've got to lead my family in church. I've got to be doing these things that lead my family. I am the covering. We are, we, God has given us that mantle and that responsibility to be the covering for our family. So, so how, do we, how do we fight correctly in this way? How, how do we become this mighty man of valor? This, this mighty warrior that God spoke and saw in Gideon. And, and listen, I know, listen, I could sit here and I know that, that men, listen, men get beat up in our society I mean, watch any program on TV and it always makes the guy, the man, the father look like the buffoon, right? And we see that. We see how men get beat up so much. And guys, this is our opportunity to say, listen, this is not how God sees us. This is how, not God, this is how God wants to use us if we just make that stand and begin to listen to him and listen to his voice. And so let's look at these things. Let's break these things down. How do we fight correctly? Well, the first thing Paul says is that we fight with the truth. The truth is what exposes a lie. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nothing can, 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 can come to the Father except through me. Nothing comes against that truth. Um, th th this is who Christ is. Our enemy lies to make truth relative, meaning whatever is truth for you is truth. But it may not be the same for me. 
And so this is where we believe that the word of God is this absolute truth, that it teaches absolute morals. I, I can't make up what I want to and then make it fit into my life because it makes me feel good. When you fight a lie with the truth, you are engaging in spiritual warfare. And so what we do is we fight a lie with the truth of God's word. So when I see something coming down the path that I know is, is not true or is right or is harmful, what we do is we say, wait a minute, I'm going to expose this lie with the truth of God's word and exposes it for what it is. And that truth is what sets us free. So we fight with God's word. What we believe, what we stand on, the way we live our lives has to be done through the truth of God's word. The second thing Paul says is that we fight with righteousness. It's a great quote by Thomas Brooks. It says, our enemy baits our hook as he did our first parents with anything that we find desirable. So what Satan does is he hides the hook with the bait until we take it and then he reels us in. What what Paul is saying here, the reason why we fight with righteousness, righteousness says no. Righteousness is our guard. It protects us from strain. It makes us stand on what is right and pure. The spiritual battle is saying yes to God and no to sin. And so what we have to do is we have to guard our hearts with righteousness and saying, God, what is the right thing to do in this situation? Even if I've got to come against that which is wrong, even if I'm going to be singled out when I'm at work and someone says an off color joke or somebody says something about their wife and all the other guys are chuckling about it. I've got to say, you know what? I've got a choice here to make a righteous stand and not give in to what they're talking about or not laugh at it. Or someone sends me an email and we write back and say, you know what? I appreciate if you just didn't send me those emails anymore. We don't have to get on our high horse. We don't have to become self-righteous. But in those situations, we have to be righteous in the way we live our lives because that exposes the lie and comes against Satan. And so what we say is, I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to make a stand on what is right here. And many times in our families, as parents, we have to make a stand on what is right and what is wrong. We have to make a stand when, when, when it comes into our homes We have to make a righteous stand of what is right and what is wrong for our children and say, hey, here is is our standard. And here's the reason for us not to be legalistic, but to say, you know, we don't want to allow this stuff into our home because we know the negative effects that it can have in our spiritual life. So we fight with this this righteousness. To be that mighty man of valor, we, we fight with the gospel message. I love what Paul says here. He says, you know, what, what, what changes lives is this message that Jesus came and gave his life for sinners, that God himself came in the form of man and gave his life as a substitute for us. You see, what this gospel message does, man, when we um, live by that gospel message, when we live our lives at the foot of the cross, what it does is it humbles us. Because we recognize that I'm not in control of my life. That I'm giving control over to Christ. That I'm allowing him to take control. That when the gospel message permeates my life, I realize that Jesus died for me. That I gave up my rights at the foot of the cross. That I now live 
for him. And what that does is that gospel message changes your heart. It changes the way you live your life. It changes the way you respond. It changes our anger and all the other things that, that we used to fight with, that we used to do that were wrong. And all of a sudden, Jesus humbles us and says, this isn't the right way. This isn't the right pattern. This isn't the fruit of, uh, uh, of a man who's fighting the correct way. When, when the gospel message permeates our lives, it changes our hearts and, and changes our direction, and changes everything else we do. And now what it does is now we want to proclaim that gospel message. We want to share with other people what Christ has done in our hearts. Instead of hiding that message in our hearts. Now we want to broadcast that message. We want other people to know, hey, this is what Christ has done for me. And this is how he's changed my life. And this is what he came to do. And so, so we fight with that gospel message. The fourth thing Paul says is that we fight with faith. We fight with faith. Pa- Paul, Paul calls this the shield of faith. Without a shield, a, a soldier would be defenseless. Satan can, can send these fiery darts, Paul says. Um, it, it may be... These fiery darts may be the guilt of the past. It may be temptation. It may be a negative fault, uh, thoughts. It, it may be feelings of failure. And all these things get thrown at us. You know, how many just once in a while you're just sitting there and just these thoughts come into your mind that are just, they're just negative and wrong and failures and all the things that, that maybe we have done wrong in our life. And then all of a sudden maybe fear can overwhelm us. See, it's, it's those times that I put my faith in Christ, that I, I put my faith in the promises of God. And, and what I do is I, as I, as I catch those thoughts in my head but, and I say to myself, but I'm not that man anymore. Th- that's not who I am anymore. My life has changed. Christ has changed me. That, that old man has died. And so what I do is I don't put my thoughts in the past anymore that, 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 that keep me attached to that, that keep me in fear and keep me from walking in faith. What I do now is, is I put my faith in God's word, knowing that he has changed me. And, and a couple of my favorite promises in the Bible, just, I'll just give you two, I have so many, but let me give you a couple of my two favorite promises in the word of God. This is where we put our faith now, not in our past, not in our failures. I love Deuteronomy 31.6 where it says, where, where, where they're... Um, commanding the Israelites to to be strong and courageous and to not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. What a great promise to be strong and courageous, not to be terrified of anyone in the world, but God goes with us and he'll never leave us or forsake us. I love Romans 8, 35 and 39. It says neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so what we have to do is w- w- when we feel overwhelmed with negative thoughts, I mean, this is where we go. This is where we go to God's word. This is where we go to the promises of God. This is what we stand on because his promises are true. Um, th- they never fail. I've got to immerse myself in God's word and, and, and allow his word to encourage my life and to encourage my heart to remain steadfast. The fifth thing Paul talks about is that we fight with salvation. And, and he says, this is our helmet. Um, how many of you, like me, grew up without wearing a helmet? Right? You didn't have, we, didn't, we didn't have bike helmets, right? We didn't have seat belts, right? 
I can remember getting the back of our station wagon and just throwing us back there and just having a good old time, right? I remember falling out of the door of our station wagon and rolling out of it on a boulevard on somebody's lawn because they didn't have child safety locks, right? With my little Snoopy um, stuffed animal, right? Um, um, and for you, that explains a lot. You're like, okay, now I understand why Pastor Barton's the way he is, um, because he didn't wear a helmet. Okay, so, uh, but he talks about this, uh, we fight our salvation. He said, this is our helmet. Um, it protects our minds. Um, we're saved from sin. Um, we're saved from God's wrath, from hell, ultimately death. This is all done through Christ. And he says, listen, you, the way we fight, we say, listen, I am now saved. I, I am now a child of God. I am saved from this sin. No longer am I going to allow the, the, the past and the things uh, that drag me down um, to no longer do those things because I'm saved. I'm born again. God has changed me. And now I want to walk in that newness of salvation. So the salvation protects our minds from the world's philosophies and dragging us back down into those old thoughts that, 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 that we can easily get depressed in if it allows us to do that. And the last thing he does is he combines these two things, Paul says. And I believe these are so important and these are so vital because these are the things we activate um, as, as we activate ourselves in spiritual warfare. He talks about that we fight with the word and prayer. That, that we fight with the word and prayer. Let, let me read this to you again because this is, this is so important about the word of God. He says, and he says, we take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. So this is where we begin to activate what really changes, what really is effective. And it's through the word and prayer. There's an interesting story about John Knox who lived in the 1500s, he was a Scottish minister because his life was always in danger. It was said that he would often travel with a two handed battle sword and a Bible. Can you imagine seeing that preacher going down the road on his horse with this huge battle, with a huge battle sword and his Bible? I wouldn't mess with him. They said that he was such a fiery preacher, often beating the pulpit so hard that it would splinter. Those had to be some fun services, right? I mean, this guy was a fiery preacher. See, the, the, what, what Paul is saying here, he's saying the word of God is, is that sword of the spirit. It defends against that which is false. It defends against false teaching. And we need to learn to exercise the word in our life. So when we hear a lie, we've got our sword and say, that ain't true. That's wrong. And what we do is we come against it and we cut it down. So when that wrong philosophy comes into our mind, that's where, that's where this battle is. We have the word of God that says that is false. That is wrong. And we make a stand upon it. And then he says, what happens is he says, prayer is this most effective tool in our arsenal. Paul says that we are to pray all the time in your car, at home, in your office. I like what Sir Thomas Buxton says here. He says, you know the value of prayer. It is precious beyond all price. Never, never, never neglect it. Never, 
neglected. I believe, here's, 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 here's what I believe. And what's taught in the word of God. I believe our problems could be solved if we just learned how to pray. I believe we would, we would get the wisdom of God if we just learned how to pray. If we would just seek the Lord in situations and seek his faith. See, what Gideon did was, when he was called mighty man of valor, the next step was that he had to seek the Lord and how to win that battle. And that battle was not going to be done with thousands of men to defeat the Midianites, which needed to be done because the Midianites were overwhelming, overwhelming majority to defeat the, the Israelites. But he had to keep going back to the Lord till finally God whittled down that army just to 300 men. And he's like, how in the world am I going to defeat 300, uh, thousands upon thousands of Midianites with 300 men? God says, you're not, but I am. You see, here's the difference. We look to the physical to solve spiritual problems. And I believe when we pray, we allow God to move in that situation now. We allow God to do what he needs to do in our hearts and our lives. Men, this is so vital. And I can't stress this enough. You need to pray with your wives. You need to pray with your families. You have to take that step of faith and pray over them. And, and listen, it, it doesn't, someone says, well, I, you know, pastor, this is hard for me because, you know, it, it's hard for me to, to pray. And, 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 and just like Gideon, Gideon didn't think he could do it either. But Paul says, be strong in the strength of the Lord. Be strong in his mighty power. Let God work through you and he will give you the words. This doesn't have to be some long prayer revival. This is just saying, God, protect our marriage. Protect my wife. Protect us from temptation. Protect us from any, any evil scheme that the enemy might have for our children for our marriage, Lord, you protect that. And what you do is you allow God to move in that situation. And God is going to use you through his might and his strength to be that mighty warrior. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And so men, this is what we're going to do. Are you ready? Last thing I want to do is beat you guys up. Last thing I want us to do is to feel more condemned about our spiritual walks and go away and just feel like a failure. And I want you to realize that, that um, for every man that's out there, that has, taken, that has taken a bold step for Christ. God is faithful to be with them. For those that have stepped out. And listen, here's what's, here's what's disheartening for me as a pastor. As a pastor. Because, because what, what, 
I know some of you are in difficult marriages. I know some of you, your, your husbands haven't, haven't stepped up. I know, I know, I know, I, I hear all that. But, but let's, let's take what we have here right now and allow God to challenge our hearts. Because I saw personally in my own family when my dad took the spiritual headship of our family. He took that role seriously. Is my dad a theologian? No. Was I, were we raised in a, technically a Christian home? No. My dad got saved at Kodak. Many of you know I share it all the time. But what he did was he took that spiritual role seriously and began to pray with his family. My dad would come down to my room when I was a teenager, just lay his hands on me to say, Barton, let me pray for you. I never forgot those times. Now, before I was a Christian, I didn't like it, right? I'm like, okay, Dad, you can pray for me, man. Okay, Dad. My mom would leave me little scripture verses on my pillow, and I'm like, oh, brother, you know. But, boy, I'll tell you, when I came to Christ, those are the things I remember. Those are the things that I remember. Men, here's how God sees you. As a mighty man of valor. Let's start acting like it. Start making a stand for what is right, for what is righteous, for what is truth. Listen, our country needs it today. Well, I'll tell you what, we need men that are make a stand for what is right. We need men that are humble, that are on their face before God. That's what we need. And I want to challenge you here today to do that. So this is what we're going to do. I want us to, let's just stand at this moment. I'm going to pray for you. And what I'm going to do is I want all the men to come down and I'm going to pray for you today. And I'm just going to pray that, that God would, would just give you the strength to lead your families, the, the, the strength to, to step out where you need, need to step out. And as the, as the worship team comes, they're going to, they're going to lead us in, in song. And we're going to, I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for every single one of you. I'm going to lay my hands on every single one. So I'm going to try to hopefully we'll get through this whole huge line of men here. But, but listen, man, listen, listen, listen. Here's, here's, here's where, here's where it's, 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 it's going to, it's going to get real because when, when, when you begin to step out in this way, the enemy's not going to like it. I'm just telling you. And, and there's going to be some things that are going to be revealed in your life that, that need to change. That's okay. Let, let, it, let it happen. Let those things happen in your life that, that need to change so that, that you can be the man that God has called you to be. And just start leading. Take the responsibility. Listen, I, um, listen here's how important it is. Even with my son, Colby. I mean, he's, he's 18. And I said, even in any of your relationships, you, you pray if you're in a, a courtship, a dating relationship, you, you pray with, with her. Because what you do is you allow God to come in that situation and, 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 and you, you're, you're leading now. You're, you're leading now. So it's just not for men, it's for teens. It's, you're leading now. Saying this is the way God wants that to look. You've got to take that step spiritually. Don't relinquish the spiritual authority that God has given you to your wives, you take that step and you lead them. Can, can I just be honest with you? The wives, none of the wives are listening right now, by the way. None of them are listening right now. But if I'm going to be honest with you, they want you to lead. They want you to lead. So just lead. Lead. Lead.
So let's pray. Let's just bow our hearts. And, and um, the, the worship team is going to lead us in worship. And let's just bow our hearts. And I'm going to lay hands on every single one of you. And we're going to pray that God would just help you to lead and, and, and cause you to be that, that mighty man of valor. If Pastor Mike's here too, he can help me pray too. So let's just, let's just pray. Let's bow our hearts. And let's just go to the Lord and let him, let him work on your heart where, where, where you believe he needs to allow you to lead. Amen.